Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paula. I'm so grateful you're here. This is your first time here. Welcome. Today, I have an interview with Jen Dalton, who's a writer and media expert who is sharing all about self-publishing your book. Also promotion, including tips on creating a podcast tour. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that doors are open to join me live in August to heal your money karma. This is a program to help you organize your finances and plan for your dreams, work on any limiting beliefs holding you back, and do a specific practice for 30 days in community to call in abundance. Find out more and join at the link in the show notes. You can also get a personalized money karma analysis with me. These are limited. At the time of this recording, there's only 16 left. The early bird price for the program ends July 25th, and we start on August 1st. I hope to see you there. Okay, so Jen Dalton self-published her book of Butterflies and Bullies during the pandemic. She's a longtime writer, as you'll hear in this episode. Her passion for guiding young women and girls through coming-of-age difficulties is rooted in her own healing as a victim of childhood bullying. She volunteers her time as a mentor and coach for many women and girls and facilitated Sisters to Sisters Alliance seminars at Girls Inc., sponsored girl empowerment camps, and she even raises money to support over 30 orphan girls to attend private schools in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Jenny lives in Mendocino County in Northern California, where she works as a community food systems professional and leadership transition specialist for grassroots nonprofit organizations. She also loves to talk about relationships in life, cook, garden, and spend endless hours in nature, hiking, or just sitting on the beach. She's a lifelong learner and graduate of Indiana University Bloomington. You can learn more about her at butterfliesbullies.com. In this episode, we discussed best practices for self-publishing your book, how to create a podcast guesting tour to support you, how to prepare to get the most out of publishing your book, and more. And there's also a contest where you can win a copy of her book. So you can go to the post about this podcast episode on my Instagram at weaveyourbliss and like, tag a friend, and make sure you're also following Jen at by Jenny Dalton and myself by Friday. And you will be entered to win a copy of her book of Butterflies and Bullies. You get an extra entry for each friend you tag. 
All the info is also in the show notes with a link. If you would like to learn more about Jen, I had her on episode 14, Resilience and the Power of Female Friendship. And you can find out more about her book and some of the the issues that it deals with there. I hope you enjoy this interview. Have a wonderful week. Hello, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paula. It's always wonderful to have conversation with you. I'm really excited to have you back on the show. This is your second time on the show. And since we last spoke, you've really been focusing on self-publishing and promoting your book. And so I know you have a bunch of invaluable information that people who are listening, who might be considering writing a book, or you know, want to know what that's all about benefit from. So thank you for being here to talk about that. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I love this conversation because I think that there's so much to learn about how we get ourselves out there, especially in the ever-changing world of publishing. Yes. And you and I have known each other for a long time. We go back more than 10 years at this point, like 15, something more. I don't know. But we we both are media people. So this should hopefully be a helpful conversation too from that angle. So Let's talk about your journey to self-publishing, like your book of Butterflies and Bullies. What made you decide to self-publish? I think I share the story in the first conversation that you and I had. So I'll be brief. But to start, really, I, I pursued the agent angle at the very beginning. And that was, I mean, I'm thinking maybe 15 years ago. And I did the thing that Stephen King recommends, which is write a bunch of letters, get in touch with a bunch of agents and solicit as many no's as you possibly can because and record and celebrate all your no's and just keep doing it until someone says yes. And I got a yes. And I was working with this wonderful woman in New York City. And she loved my book. And was really, you know, confident about being able to sell it and we spent a lot of time marketing it to publishers. And at that time, it was really a time where my book is um a crossover book they call it. So it's middle grade, but it's also really appealing to grown women. You know, it was just a, it's, it was a difficult sell. It was difficult to, you know, communicate that at the time. It wasn't this the time period when a lot of grown people were like proudly shouting from the rooftops, oh, I'm reading all these great YA and middle grade books, you know, but nowadays, it's very common. So we went through our process together. And eventually, we left it in a place of like, well, we did our best, we really tried. And it just it, it wasn't the right time or place. And I felt really happy. You know, we did what we could. And you know, I had other book projects I was working on. I've, I've worked in publishing a long time. I was writing things. And I just you know, I had this moment where I'm like, I feel really proud of what we've done. And I just put it away. Years later, and right before the pandemic started, my um, husband was like, can I read this book you say you wrote, you know, and I said, sure. And I handed him the pages. And he was like, this is really great. You should do something with this. And since that time, you know, way back when self-publishing is much easier. Um, Because even back then, self-publishing was there weren't as many tools and things that you could use to make it a possibility. And I thought, okay. And the pandemic hit and I'm like, well, I have a lot of time on my hands, you know, let's just do this. 
And so my first go-to was Amazon because I just didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just put it on Amazon. And I, I worked with a local designer to make a cover and, you know, I didn't want to put too much money into it. It was more like, oh, I'm just going to put my book out there and, and take that leap of self-expression where you're like, okay, so people are going to read it. And now what are they going to think? And I'm just going to have to, th- you know, I always say like throw spaghetti on the wall and see if it hit, if it sticks. And so I did that. And then I learned a lot along the way around, okay, I've published it, but now what do I do? It revealed to me an entire, the world of self-publishing. Now, if I had done it, I've learned a lot from my mistakes. And if I had done it differently, I would have done research about self-publishing. And there are a lot of great resources out there online. If you just Google, how do I self-publish? How do I self-promote? And understanding that they are two separate things is another big distinction that I just didn't have in my mind at the very beginning. It's like, okay, I'm going to publish my book. I'm going to hit publish. But then the promotion process of book publishing is very distinct from publishing. It's also very distinct from publicity. I learned those distinctions along the way and I learned them in reverse order because you are really in traditional publishing. The idea is you do publicity, then you publish, then you promote. And so I missed out on a publicity piece because there are people out there who can help you with the publicity or you just do it yourself. And I've done everything on my own except for one failed attempt at having um, a small press uh, social media company help me do some social media that I was very unsatisfied with. And now I'm doing it on my own and I'm feeling much more successful about it. The long and short of it is that I was to answer your question was that I was led to self publishing because I feel very confident about the work that I'm putting out there. And even though the traditional publishing route didn't work for me, I still want the world to read my book. You know, I want it to find its right audience. And so I feel very strongly that I, I want to give it its best shot at life. So learning how to nourish it and help it grow. It's kind of like tending to your farm, right? Like when you first approach it, you're like, I think I know how to do this. I've done this before. I've grown things. And being someone who was relatively publishing and media savvy, I thought, Oh, okay. I'll just publish this thing and then I'll. It'll grow in this beautiful way. And it has grown in a beautiful way, but it's just been against... Work. I've been more like a salmon swimming upstream as opposed to um, just kind of going with the flow downstream with the other fishes. So I think what's interesting is, you know, in this moment in time, the publishing industry has been really picky and afraid of taking any risks. I've noticed I have pitched a couple things that I have an agent in New York and she just tells me like, this is ahead of its time or this is too crossover. Like you said, it's not going to land anywhere specific. And so, you know, they, they want you to see you have a huge audience before they are going to take a risk. Right. And so I, I guess, um, what are some tips that you can share? around self-publishing, you've already kind of gotten into it, but like, what are some things to keep in mind, like to make that decision, to help you make that decision? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you mentioned audience. So um, I was a speaker at the San Francisco Literary Festival last summer, about a year ago today. They had a huge panel of publishers there. And, and literally, they will not look at you unless you have 200 to 300,000 followers on a specific platform. They want you to have that first. 
if you believe strongly in your work, then absolutely self-publish if you have less than those amount of followers and just believe in the work, you know, and, and maybe the book itself will give you the, you know, bring you the followers that you would need to work in the traditional publishing sphere. But you're right. They're very risk adverse folks are small bookstores are, are falling away. And like, I'm very like, support your independent bookstore. And I'm noticing also the ways in which independent bookstores are supporting independent publishers, like, our, you know, self publishers. So that's a, it's a different conversation. But just in terms of tips. So I have like a list of sort of know before you publish ideas that I've put together. And one is understanding who you want to publish with and why. I learned not the hard way, but just through experience that you want to publish with a publisher like Ingram Spark. They have the distribution to those independent bookstores and to libraries for you. And so they have two different ways that authors can publish with them. And one is through like they have like a work with us program where I think it's like $5,000 buy in, but you become one of their books on their list and you become a part of their catalog and you become someone who works with their team to get your book out there. And they, they work the distribution for you. They do a lot of publicity and promotions for you. And that was something that I didn't learn about until after. I'd already gone through a lot of different steps on my own. I, Do they also help with editing? Is that something they can? Maybe? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you just you can work with them in a variety of levels. And given how much money I've spent on this, and that's a no before you publish. It's it's an expensive, you know, self project. I feel really grateful that I've had some resources um, and savings that I used for this. And there's been moments where I'm like. Ah! What am I doing spending this much money? Am I ever going to break even? I don't know. That is my dream is to break more than even, right? To like have it be a bestseller would be amazing. But Ingram can offer you so many different avenues. They're very supportive. Now, when I published with Amazon and I started doing outreach to independent bookstores, they were like, I'm sorry, we can't carry your book because you're working with our biggest competitor. And they're not supportive of independent bookstores. So why would we support you? And I totally get that. And I immediately, I mean, literally within minutes, I was like, okay, I'm moving platforms. I mean, I still have my Amazon publishing going on. I mean, people can still order it from there. But on my website, I very much encourage people to go to bookshop.org or just go walk into your local bookstore or your local library and ask for it by name, you know, and they'll order it for you, you know, or you can order it from the, you know, your favorite local bookstores website. And I'm, you know, grateful to be in several uh, independent bookstores in California and also in Indiana. And I'm, you know, constantly doing outrage. So welcome all of your favorite independent bookstore ideas. <laughs> so, um, so that's that. And then just highly recommend Ingram and then make a website for your book. And it can be super simple. I just use Squarespace and that's also an expense, but it needs, people need somewhere to go to look at like, who are you and what is this book about? And also, it's important to collect email addresses because there are so there are a few things in the uh, promotions and publicity process that you can own. You can own your website, you can own your email list and, you know, little, you know, posts on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those things can be taken away from you at any time. So, so if somebody is a business owner, would you suggest they have a separate website for the book or that it could be a page on their website or how would that work? Well, I am a business owner and I link to my book in my bio on 
uh, my work website, but then I have a website for my book. However, at the San Francisco Literary Conference, for example, they were saying, saying how important it is to just have a meta website. So to have the website of your name, um, and then link off from there to all of the different things that you do. And many of us who are creators are very, have lots of different things that we, that we do that we feel proud of. And, you know, I have a lot of other publications that I like to link off to. And it's, that's a project that I'll probably work on next year is putting together the meta website, they call it, where you're, you're just really working on your own personal brand and all of the different things that you have your, you know, your creator mind set to, right? But I love having, you know, my Butterflies Bullies website. It, it, it is the home for so many of the things that that I've done as a part of this work that I feel happy about, like a link to my sisters to sisters work. Yeah. So it's interesting because like, you know, a lot of us business owners are thinking about how we want to present our thought leadership. Like what is our take on what it is that we're doing? And so... I feel like that take is really on my website, but perhaps having a separate place for the book in specific, like, you know, maybe there's going to be study guide or some other tools that people can use to kind of get more depth and information about the topic or like some bonuses. Sometimes people offer those as like a way to promote the book or get people to buy within a certain time or something like that, that would live on a separate site, it seems like. Yeah, I have a reader's guide and I it just lives on Google. So it just links off to a Google Doc. So I mean, I think that as a thought leader... You know, I invest in website domains and I, I probably, I pay a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, I mean, a year to have certain URLs that are representative of my, my thinking, my expression. And that's just something I budget for annually. And I have a lot of different websites, but I do see the value in having this one place where all of those different things are represented so that it becomes this this kaleidoscope, essentially, of all that you are and really honors that. Uh, because I do think that we are made of multitudes and we express multitudes. And I, and I think that that's why folks were recommending that was to be like, let's just honor our humanness in this process. We have lots of things that we're working on. And to be honest, so many writers, unless you are a best-selling author, are not making the majority of their income from their work as a writer. You know, you have other things that you're about. And so when people can't want to learn about you, they, they want to know the whole of you. And so I do feel a little limited in only having my butterflies and bullies website. And then I have my kitchen table consulting website. And those are the two that I've got actively running right now. But you know, you can link off to them from that central site. Yeah, totally. So sorry, we, we went in the weeds a little bit. No, but it's okay. But I think these are important things to think about. I mean, having a presence online in a place to call home for the book is really important. Um, and then of course you link, you know, you have your link tree on your bio and you could get all of that stuff aligned. It's, that's really important. And then, um, just sort of moving down the list, I have, I think it's important to get advanced reviews. And you do that by having essentially a galley copy. Or in my case, I had my already printed copy that I had made with my local designer. And I sent it out for review. And a lot of folks, you know, gave me feedback from that place, or they gave me really great reviews. And eventually, you know, a year and a half later, I had a professional book designer that was recommended by an, a professional um, book agent that gave me this name of this guy who's fantastic. 
And he was very reasonably priced and he made me the cover of my dreams. And now I feel so great. I've put some of those advanced reviews on the back of the cover. I have them on my website. You know, these are folks that are leaders in their field. They're, 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 they're very aligned with the topic of the book, which is the topic of girl bullying. You know, they really give you that gravitas, you know, to, to send the book out for, you know, other purposes, like, you know, to bookstores or, and so that's great. But that's something that is you should do before you publish. Ideally, you get those, you have them on your book cover, you have them in the ins, you know, interior pages. If you have way more than can fit on the back of your book or on the front of your book, you put them on your website. Etc. And then I, I also just I think it's important to get into the mindset differences between who who you are as a writer and then who you are as someone who's being a self publicist because that those are very different things. You know, the at first I think I was really reticent to be like I'm self promoting. I'm not that person. You know, in my life I'm not someone who goes around and just like brags about all the things that I'm doing, but. In the case of wanting to get this book into as many of the hands that I want it to be in, because I think it's a, a book about, you know, it's about transformation. It's, a, it's, I think it's a very helpful book for young girls and women. And I want as many people to read it and get that um, emotional connection, that transformation as possible, because this is what people are telling me the book brings. I'm like, wow, more people should read it. You know, how do I make that happen? So, but it's, you have to be a different person to be out there promoting your book than you are when you're sitting at home writing it or in your, you know, workspace. Just allowing yourself to dream big and really honoring that and like stepping into who you have to be is a process in and of itself. I mean, when I was sending the book out for advanced reviews, I had a couple of people tell me, I'm sorry, I can't review your book. And I took it so personally. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. How, what did I do wrong? You know, and who, what I had really had to like, you know, ground myself in like what I believe is valuable about this book and not listen to what some other folks were saying. I actually don't know why they can't review the book. Maybe it was a time constraint, but I also have some touchy subjects in the book and perhaps maybe they were aligned differently than me in terms of like what I think should be out there in the world. I definitely see my book as a book that some people may potentially ban if they're not of the of the same mindset of me of, of speaking outwardly about things like masturbation, for example, and bullying in general. I mean, I think it's a hard topic and not everyone wants to put their name on it. So totally. I mean, when I work with my clients, you know, we're creating a visibility vortex, like when we're selling something. And this is one of the biggest things that we could possibly be selling because it takes so much work to write a book. And we haven't even talked about that process, you know, so putting your heart and soul into a book that really, you know, you have to have your heart and soul into it to actually complete it because it's a lot of work, right? And so when you're when you've completed that, you want to be able to create that visibility vortex where your energy is in the right place. And so thing that I always teach people is to create that good environment in, in wherever you're going to be and make sure your energy is aligned, do your practices, do the things that are going to support you. Go walk in nature. Don't overbook yourself. Really take your time. It doesn't have to rush. You don't, you don't have to rush to do anything. Give yourself a long window of time. And I think that's something you've done masterfully. And then my friend Meghna Majmudar has told me, she added to this, like, make sure you've planned something in afterward that's really about you resting and have like a distinct period of time where you're going to push a little harder and then have that rest period 
scheduled in. So I just wanted to add that because yes. it is a really powerful moment of being visible and that can be really intense for people. Yeah. I mean, take breaks. I know I listened to that and that was really powerful. I mean, I think that the, also like there's the time it takes to write the book. So in my case, it, I took 10 years to write it. Then it sat in a drawer for 15 years and now I'm promoting it. And they say promotion can take anywhere between two to five years. And I'm in year two. So I'm playing that longer game. And I, I really, you build in rest, you build in breaks, you, you know, I'm working on some automating some systems, so I don't have to do it all like I'm so yeah, creating, but you're also you find the way to do it for you. I mean, that's one of my kind of takeaway tips we can talk about at the end, but it's really like as a self publishing person, like you are going to be going against the grain of traditional publishing anyway, just by sheer virtue that you're doing it yourself. You only have a finite amount of energy every day. Like You need to go with the flow and follow those things that are most inspiring to you. Because otherwise, it's going to be a boring prescription of like, do this step, then do this step, then do this step. Like It doesn't work that way. So another tip I had really was just like to know that the entire process takes a lot of work and takes up a lot of time. So you make time to schedule it. You carve out time. You devote it to that. For me, because I do have other work and this is a side project, I do an hour and a half every Monday. And I do it in community with a community of creative women that you and I are both affiliated with. And it is so great. We just work together alone, you know, with, with our over Zoom and we all do our work. And it's amazing how much you can get accomplished within an hour and a half of a week. So that's that's my environment for the creation right now. It can shift and change. But I also suggest like you just do the next best thing, right? You give yourself permission to be led by inspiration, just like I said, because it's more fun that way. Uh, you can also hire help. Like I said, I it's very challenging to find the right people. I I spent a lot of money on, on something that I felt was like, even going into it, I saw some red flags and I was like, Oh, but I just need the help. And I didn't give myself time to just really feel the extent to which I was, I was resistant to it. But I, I felt rushed to be, to get, you know, sign the contract, get it started, do these things. And then having been someone who's worked with creatives and, and creative outsourced, you know, folks in the past, the relationship just wasn't going the way I wanted it to go, but I'd signed a three month contract and I really just had to let it play out. And I had to let go of the regret of having spent that money. So just, just take your time and have it be really, really intentional, intentional, you know, and, and I was intentional and I really worked with them prior to getting the work off the ground. And it's still like my, my gut feeling that it wasn't right was still it still played out, right? <laughs> Even though mm. parts of it went well. And then to budget, you know, for yourself, how much are you willing to spend on this project? Because you can easily watch the money start to, to, you know, rack up, right? And every year, you know, the first year, it was an, it was a very large sum of money that I found myself paying out and, you know, because you have to pay Ingram, you know, and I didn't do that $5,000 option. I did just the option of, you know, I bought my own ISBN, which is highly recommended. And you can't do that on Amazon, by the way. And you pay for the service of them, you know, offering you, you the option to publish through them. You also buy, you know, your own author copies, which I've gone through boxes and boxes of 10. I keep ordering 10, 10, 10. And then I'm like, wow, I've spent, you know, hundreds of dollars on buying my own books to send out to folks to, 
you know, to give to, I just sent out five books to, um, Chaucer's bookstore in Santa Barbara. And I'm grateful they have, they wanted five copies. I was like, yay, huge win. Like understanding that the average good sale of, of a self-published book on average is somewhere between 500 to 5,000 books. And so you just need to understand that if you're charging X amount, you're buying, you know, your, your author prices X, you know, when you're, consigning or selling with, you know, another bookstore, they're going to take, you know, 40% and they're going to give you 60 or vice versa. Like there's a lot of different ways you can make money from it, but they are incremental and they are small. And until you get that windfall of like, wow, 5,000 copies got sold in a day or something like crazy like that, which would be incredible. And I definitely dream about that moment. And I still hold it as a possibility. You know, your, your returns will be will be small. And so you have to take that into consideration with your expenses. It's also like another thing that I teach my clients is about using an envelope system to really put money aside for specific things. So like if you're someone that knows you want to publish a book in two years, you can set a goal for yourself to have, I don't know, $10,000 there ready to be dedicated only to that book. So that means every time you're logging an expense, it will come out of this place you've already put that money, you know, over time. And so this can be a really powerful way to not feel those like punches each time like your, your money is going out because it's already been budgeted. This is why I really love teaching this. And you can do this in my Heal Your Money Karma course. I can teach you how to set up this system so that you can actually plan towards things. So that that may be something to think about as you're moving forward in this process. Yeah. And I had set aside some money. I called my secret squirrel account, which was like, it's here for the things like that I, you know, I'm feeling really called to spend money on. And I, you know, it's one of those accounts where it's like, I hardly know the money's going in there, but I hadn't intentionally set the account for that type of expenditure. So it was still, I was still feeling the hit, but I, so I love that suggestion around saying, no, this is dedicated to this work. I think that would make a really big difference. You know, I also think that like you're saying, like planning in advance is really important. So spend some time to create like a six month or a one year plan for how you want to publicize this book and really start to again, understand the difference between publicity and promotion. So publicity happens before you publish. Publicity is advanced reviews that are in, you know, like, so if you wanted to be in the New York Times review of books, for example, that is publicity and that happens before you publish the book. And that way you can set up things like advanced sales. It's about building anticipation for your book, right? It's the same thing as publicizing an event before the event occurs, getting people excited. You're, you're reminding them there's a publication date. It's coming up and like, you know, get your advanced copy ordered, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's publicity. And there are, uh, small, gr- um, companies out there who will work with self-published authors, but they don't want to work with you, but already self-published. If you've already pressed publish, they don't want to work with you. They want to do the publicity. But then promotion is the work that you do after you've published. And so the promotion can be everything from book talks to, you know, anything that you do on social media on your own to being on podcasts, which is my 100% recommended use of your time because it, it just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, it's things like library outreach, which is a whole thing that I've spent the last year working on as well. Cause it's really important to me to be in libraries. It's not everyone's 
area of importance. But for me, because I would love to see as many girls as possible have access to this book, it's important to me to do that outreach. And I became a part of something called the Indie Author Program that I applied to. It's something in California, but it gives you access to being in the library catalog. But then you need a librarian to put you in their catalog. And then, you know, other libraries, like specifically in California, can have access to that catalog number and then they can order your book too. So that was a whole other process. But, you know, because my book was published in during the pandemic, I really leaned heavily on podcasts and have spent, I've been a guest on over 12 podcasts and I did that within a year and set a goal of being on 12 podcasts in 12 months which I reached and I felt really, really great, which we can dive into a little bit more because I have very specific ideas around that. But also connecting with bookstores and doing in-person events is great. And I've done a couple in person and have several planned for this year. But during the pandemic, you couldn't do that. So I just recorded some videos of myself doing what I thought I would have done on a book tour. And then I put them on my website. And then you know I posted them on YouTube. And they're out of date a little bit now because they have the old cover on them. So... It's just giving me an excuse to do more promotion in that way, um, both virtually also, and in person. Like doing things on the theme of your book and your, you know, your area of expertise in your thought leadership, like doing events, even inviting other people in, maybe doing a roundtable seems like it would be a good way to have the call to action be to go buy this book, but we're going to have a discussion about like a specific area or a specific topic within that's allied with the subject. I mean, I've thought about that myself. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, one of the book events I have scheduled for October, which is kind of more of my back to school sort of time is I'm I'm having an event with a local counselor at the high school. Um, but she also works with younger girls. And we're just going to talk about bullying in our community in our schools and um, do it at local bookstore and invite people to, you know, be in conversation with us. And, you know, I've done things like a first Friday event for artists where my art is not to be hung. So I, I partnered with my local consignment shop owner who was very supportive of my book. And she's like, do you want to be my first Friday artist? And I was like, yeah. And so we hung out and we talked, you know, we talked about clothes, we talked about friendship, we talked about girl things. And then as we're, we're sitting there, I mean, so many people came to me and wanted to share their stories of being bullied. And even men were telling me and it was really fun. I created this like shame release portal in one of the dressing rooms where we like you go in there and you can release your shame just put like a little star on were you the bully did you were you bullied or were you a bystander were you all of them and then just you know release your shame i've done talks with women's groups around um, confidence and confidence hacks and like how do you build up your confidence after this sort of experience right and that's been really great and i've been i've written about gossiping and like its harmful effects i did that wrote a couple articles about that and posted them on folks's, you know, websites. And I think yeah, it's that like that a, an opportunity information. To be yeah. Oh, yeah. And the complimentary information is so important. And yeah, it's so creative. You become an expert in your topic. There are so many different ways of expressing that. I, I did like 10 confidence hacks on Instagram. I mean, I'm sorry, on I'm going to post them on Instagram, but I did them on TikTok as just a way of like learning how to use TikTok. I'm like, well, I'll just do like a series of confidence hacks and created like a free 
worksheet where you can understand how to build your own confidence and put some confidence hacks on the back of it and then just put it on my link tree. And it's like, here, just have it for free. You know, just this is my service, you know, and I want to share my the things that I've learned along the way. I mean, it's totally based in my experience. And I have things I'd like to share. So if you're if you resonate with them, then download this free resource, you know, and if you've liked that, buy my book, you know, share the book. I'm just yeah. So I really think that there's there's a lot of fun that comes with the promotion process. I didn't go into the pro- the promotion process knowing ahead of time that I was going to do all these confidence hacks or make a shame portal, you know, but they just arose in the moment. You know, I'm like, what can make this first Friday, you know, at this clothing store more fun? Oh, let's make a portal. You mentioned podcast guesting. Obviously, I'm a podcast host and I receive a lot of pitches that are just kind of boring. And so I'm curious if you would just tell us where you started and to maybe give us some tips on how to make those pitches sing. Yeah, I took a um, a conscious marketing course for folks that are with, you know, that are doing work that, you know, is just really about consciousness, raising um, more authentic communication um, type business adventures, you know, and I think my book is, is falls into that category. But I was also taking that course as someone who markets a fundraising effort that I work on to raise money to send girls in Haiti to, to um, school. I used the, the template that they provided for my outreach, which I thought was really, really great. And what they said was, first of all, just do your research, right? Understand what are the best podcasts for you and the audience that you want to reach? Where do you have shared alignment? And use like, you know, Apple podcasts, like just search through the the categories and the lists and start listening to the podcast. Listen to them for a long time. Like really listen to like at least three to five episodes. Understand who the host is. What is what are some of the things they talk about all the time? Like befriend them even in your own space before reaching out to them so that you know you can help let them know that like oh i i think i understand what you're all about then once you want to reach out write a very intentional email and you know for me it was really about approaching the email from a very cooperative and collaborative mindset this is i want to make it a win-win experience for for both people i don't want it to just be like hi i've got this thing i want to promote it and i need you <laughs> you know i mean how can we use one another how can we be useful to each other so this cooperative mindset is really um important i think and about sharing creating a shared experience that will benefit everyone and not just the two of you but your audience as well so express that in the an introduction share first paragraph like I've been listening to your show. I, I loved the episode that you did with so and so or about such and such. What do you love about this person? What do you love about their podcast? Put that front and center. You it know, always obvious- stands out to me too when someone like pulls out something particular, even something that I said, uh, something that shows me they really were listening to what I said, you know, and it had an impact on them. So yeah. I think that that's really important. Let them know that you understand what they're about. And obviously, you know, you can say, and I'm writing to you because I I think I'd be a great guest on your podcast. And then like, why? Why would their audience want to hear what you have to say? And just be really real about that. Like, I think your audience would really benefit from a com- benefit from a conversation about girl bullying. I would love to talk with you about girl friendships and about how we evolve with our friendships. I think your audience would really appreciate it. And then talk about how you're going to promote 
the episode that you may potentially record with that person. Bonus share points. with them, share with them your audience size. It doesn't matter if it's small. You know, I have a relatively small audience right now. I love to build it. You know, I'm just really real with them. Here's my LinkedIn, you know, numbers. Here are my Facebook numbers. Here's my Instagram numbers. Here's my TikTok numbers. You know, here's my uh, newsletter size. You know, I will promote this, this, um, podcast to these people. Here's who my audience is. They're similar to your audience. And then end with this, you know, idea of like, well, even if it's not a good fit right now, you know, I would still love to support you in some way. You know, just know I'm a huge fan. You know, I've, I've subscribed. I've share, you know, all those things that are important for the, the, the matrix of getting your podcast rated well, right? Like, that's really important to the podcast host. I mean, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong here, but <laughs> I think that the more downloads you have, the more, you know, subscribers you have, the better visibility you get for your podcast. And then just express abundant gratitude for them taking the time to read your email. Yeah. No, these are great tips. And also, if you're interested in this topic, you listen to my conversation with May Kate Sang, who also supports people around pitching for podcasts. And so she has some powerful insights. And I think adding that piece about promotion is so important because so many times I have podcasts where the other person doesn't promote. I'm doing the podcast because I'm interested in it. And I, but when somebody promotes it, it feels really good. It feels like they're proud of it. They want their audience to see it. It feels so awesome when they have something really awesome to say about it. You know, like I had somebody go and just do like a story about how it impacted them, what they shared in that podcast. And that just stuck with me for a while, like telling their audience, I've never shared this before on any other podcast. I don't know how Paula got this out of me. You know, it's like, I felt really touched that she took the time, you know? So I think that promotion piece is really great, like in the pitch itself and just saying, I will promote this. This is important. It's about building relationships. This is not, I mean, my advice is don't approach this as a transactional experience. You know, this is about how do we build community around our shared work and our shared interests. The future is together, right? I mean, we are not going to accomplish much on our own. And I really feel like we're, we're all out there creating things. How can we create together. And that's how I approach it. And I, I got a lot of great responses that way. And once I started um, sending out requests or, or queries, eventually some people came to me after I was on a few podcasts. And I had the honor of being on um, this one podcast called Anti-Bullying 101 with Jim Burns. And Jim reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested. And I didn't even know his podcast existed. And then I became a recurring guest. I was on his podcast three times and we had really deep conversation and it was really great. And I consider him a colleague and friend now and, you know, someone I never thought I would meet. Right. I recommend, yeah, check him out. He's cool. Those sorts of things happened. And I also tracked everything. So I kept a, you know, a spreadsheet of all of the different podcasts. Who, who was the host? How many? And I looked at their Instagrams or their social media and started to understand who they were a little bit more and like, you know, recorded their email and the date that I sent out the, the request. And did they ever get back to me? And then I highlighted the ones, you know, in a, you know, a color, I can't remember what color it was, but you know, this is the color that they said, yes. And here's the recording date. And did I promote it on my website and like made sure to track. And like, I have a whole page on my website for all the podcasts. I mean, most of them I have um, a couple I didn't put on there, but um, 
you know, and then I did record a few podcasts that never saw the air, I think, you know, and I don't know why. And but I've reached out. I mean, people who are hosting podcasts are also doing lots of different things and they're very busy and we lose Sometimes track they of things. things too that are evergreen, yeah. you know, and so it's never a judgment on you. Like, exactly. like you said earlier, don't take it personally because you just never know when they're like saving it for when they don't have a slot book exactly. you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, but also, you know, having it on my website, the more links to things, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is really good co-promotion. So, and then sending it out on my newsletter and be like, Hey, everyone, I was on another podcast. Please listen. And it's been really great. Um, one other thing I just want to throw out there before, you know, we dive into just to another part of the conversation is that, um, when you want to be selling your book to bookstores, um, and libraries, make sure you have a sell sheet, just like a one to two pager that has like all the vital details of your book, including the ISBN number, that's the prices, the wholesale prices, you know, links to your website have, um, like a little snippet about like a very brief description of what your book's about. Also include some reviews on there. What are people saying? Include your bio and a picture of the book. Um, and then just have that and, send that every time you email someone and ask if they would be interested in carrying your book. And even to have that, you know, when you reach out to um, podcast hosts, like I didn't have that when I was doing that outreach, but I'm going to be doing some more outreach soon. But I would now in the future, at least attach a picture of my book, um, a link to the website, and then some of the reviews with a brief, brief synopsis in my bio. So that folks can look at it and obviously link off to your website or any of your social media accounts so they can take a look at that. I'm curious, do you also send podcast hosts a copy of your book when they're considering or do you offer to do that if they say yes or something like that? Yeah, I offer it in the email. Like, I'd be happy to send you my book if you'd like to read it. You know, and I'd love for you to read it before we um, have our conversation. And, you know, sometimes folks just don't have time, which I understand. But I also have a, you know, I have an ebook. I have an audio book and so they can access it in any way they like. And oftentimes, yeah, they do ask for a printed copy. And in which case we'll, we'll wait until they get the copy and then they'll tell them like, let me know when you finish reading it and then we can schedule something or they'll schedule it in advance and then just, you know, for create some, you know, pressure to get the book read before the recording date. But obviously, you know, the conversation about your piece of work is much more rich when they read the book, right? So it's been wonderful even just getting folks insight on their experience of reading my book while we're in conversation on the podcast. So I've just been really grateful that folks have had really positive experiences reading it. It's been really fun. And and I just love talking. And in the in the the process of talking about the book, you start to understand, oh, I could say this about it, or here's a piece of information I could pull out to do some, you know, parallel content about. And, you know, it's in conversation with other people that we get our little downloads about what might come next. You know, where is this leading me? Who am I in this process? All that great stuff of our own growth and development as well. Yeah. So if you all are listening and you haven't listened to Jen's earlier episode, you can learn more about this book. It's episode 14, just for FYI. Also, as you're talking, you know, I have your astrology open here and I'm like, you have such a classic writer's chart. You know, you've got a lot going on in your third house, including your ruling planet Mercury. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see that also that 
you know, you have a prosperity combination in that house and several that are activated right now. So it's, it's really cool to, to kind of see that and see like you even have like a really powerful window coming up August 18th to September the 1st. Um, and now is a very transformational time for you. So you're in Venus Saturn and that for people who've been listening to me for a while, they know that this is like a potent period of, of transformation. So, you know, becoming a self-published author, getting more heat, as they say, in like the writing, you know, in the magazine writing or newspaper writing journalism, like getting heat on the subject of bullying and like having these opportunities to really share more about this topic that's important to you and also female friendship. So um, you can hear all way more about that in Jen's first episode. That feels really real. Thanks for mentioning that. I just, I, I refer, I was like, I should refer back to my chart and see where things are at. <laughs> Thanks for, for bringing that up. I mean, I, I do feel the energy. And it was funny last summer after I spoke at the San Francisco Writers Conference, I was like so excited about it. And I, I felt like I'd done a really great job of performing. But then I, and I had this other book idea and I met with an agent there. You could do these like really fast, um, like speed dating with an agent. You had to pay a little extra for it. And I was like, I'll do that. I have this idea and I had talked to her about it. You know, A, she connected with me with this book designer who was fabulous, but also she kind of broke me down a little bit. You know, she gave me some hard truths and I was like driving home from that. I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to be a writer anymore. You know, I just, I'm so tired of looking at the blank page and like coming up with these things and the grind of the deadlines and the, the solitude and all of this stuff. And, you know, as I've been playing in the space of allowing myself to not be a writer for the last several months, I've also then, you know, come back from under and have refound my writer self again, you know, and also with the help of chat GPT, which has been a little helpful to kind of not have to stare at a blank page so much. It's been really good. So, you know, using t- new technology and why well, I went and did a book um, talk on the coast of Mendocino a couple weeks ago. And the host was like, so what's next for Molly, the main character of my book? And I'm like, you know, this might be a one and done. And he's like, mm, I don't know about that. You know, I think you've got another one in you. And he sparked something new in me. And just, I, I feel like the whole process is really just about giving ourselves space to be and just to be whoever we need to be in the moment to allow the the conversations to come and go. And then again, just keep stepping into what feels good. What's next? What's next? What's next? What feels good here? As my one of my favorite therapists would tell me, it's like, does this path have a heart? Does this path have a heart? You know, and then just trusting your gut along the way and learning lessons and you know, I think it's just an expression of life, right? Yeah. And I would love to hear any more tips you have on writing the thing. If people have ideas, my tip, which I'm loving right now is to use voice notes and to transcribe those using AI, you know, so you can use Otter AI. I leave myself messages in Voxer and they'll be transcribed and then you can cut and paste it into an email to yourself and then put it in your document with all of your other ideas. So I'm also experimenting with something called mim.ai, which is an interesting program that allows you and I don't I haven't used it enough yet, but it allows you to take things that you've written already like newsletters or posts on online, you can put them in there as what are called mims, M-E-M. And then you can hashtag them. So then if you're writing a book like I am, that's more like nonfiction 
you know, memoir or not memoir, like um, teaching you how to do something, right? There's different subjects and headings. So you can hashtag everything that has to do with that subject or heading. And then when you click on it, it shows you all the articles you've already written. So then you can go in and kind of mine your own your own like thought leadership and put something together based on what you've already done. So you're not repeating yourself. So if you have any tips, I would love to hear them, but that those are the ways that I'm kind of using AI right now to support me in my writing process. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I'm just starting the whole AI exploration and trying to find the best ways to incorporate it into my day to day or my writing process. But for me, like I'm still pen to paper. Like I, I carry, I have so many notebooks and either little ones and I just carry them in my bag or my purse, my, you know, whatever it is. And I always have a pen and I just allow the, whenever the ideas are flowing, I'll write them down or I use notes in my phone and write down if I just, if I only have my phone and I don't have a piece of paper or a pen, you know, or I call myself and leave myself messages. So, I mean, those are, I'm very old school in that way, but, um, I'm learning. I, you know, I have Google Docs out the Wahoo, like, you know, a million of them. I have so many. Whips, I call them on my work, works in progress. And, you know, I just touch in, you know, like I said, I've got that Monday. That Monday for me is my, my creativity space. I'm very clear about what I want to accomplish during that time period. And I, I just accomplish it. And if I need to work a little longer or I need to calendar in more time in my week to address some things that I didn't get finished within that hour and a half, then I, I do it again. I mean, I used to be that person who pressured myself to write every day. And I think that was what I was resenting. I'm like, I just don't want to make time for this. I have other things that are, is, are important to me. But like you said, my chart is very heavy in communications. It's, it's a writer's chart. I've been a writer since I was in second grade, at least identifying in that way. And it's not, a, a, I was thinking it was an identity I needed to shed, but no, it's an identity I need to evolve. I'm looking at ways to do that that feel really good for me. But I, I still love that transposition of like thought to pencil or pen to paper. And then I carry the papers with me. I make stacks. And then when I feel ready, I put them into a Google Doc. You know, that's where I'm at. And then, you know, of course, finding avenues for to express all of those different things, you know, like writing articles or pitching things. It's like, that's a whole other process as we just discussed. So yeah, but I think it's good too to, to get your stuff out there in some form in some small way, like start telling those stories and see how people are reacting to them. Because I've been doing that with the work that I'm putting into my book. And it's amazing how validating it is that people have similar things that are moving them that they're excited about. So I would, you know, I would just add that too. like, don't be afraid to kind of start taking one little step out to sharing, you know, and there's always a time and a place to incubate and to really think about things. But there's also like pieces of the story that you could probably tell now. So I would invite people to, to think about that. 100%. And also just to hold to understand that that energy inside of you, like for me, I'm like t- touching my chest right now, like I can feel the vibration of something that needs to be outside of me and, you know, and shared with someone else. And sometimes I get scared of that vibration, but it's like, you can kind of feel it. They anticipate like, Oh, this needs to go out there. And so I'll just have to, you know, whether it's, you want to start a medium page or what, you know, you're on Substack or all those places. It's like, just get it out there. And, you know, it's a little bit scary sometimes, but 
you know, go for it. Make it write that long Instagram post, you know, I mean, Paula, I love your videos. And so that's something that I look forward to all the time is what dance is Paula going to do next while she tells us something fun that we we didn't know we wanted to know. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And so I've been having a lot of fun with TikTok lately. I've been really challenging myself to be on video and to share my voice. And, And it hasn't been so much of a writing, but I definitely, you know, put down my notes and thoughts before I get on the TikTok and record the thing and then just playing around with that. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And plus I'm getting more views on TikTok than I do on other platforms just for the sheer, you know, algorithm chemistry or however that works. Right. You know, that's kind of gratifying too. It's like, oh, okay, there's more likes, more views, but I'm still an Instagram girl. So I can't, I can't step away. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, totally that's your thing. It. Pick your platform, find the one that works for you and, and stick with it. And it doesn't mean you can't experiment with other ones, but have a primary one that you really reach out to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Would you tell us what you're reading right now? Or is there a book that you would recommend? Well, I mean, I just finished um, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers, which was written in the 30s by a 25-year-old brilliant woman. And I hadn't read it since college, but I have a little library in front of my house. And so I'm. it was there. And I was like, oh. And it, it was so relevant to what's going on with race relations in our current times. I was just... It was just really beautiful. And I just picked up another book, um, which was really about people who've loved and left San Francisco and essays on, yeah, things that we, people who've lived there have appreciated and why they left. And I, I just started that last night and it was really great. I was like, oh, these people knew the same people I did, or they went to the same cafes or they, and I'm, I'm a refugee from San Francisco myself. So <laughs> yeah. And you know, I am too, cause that's where we met. So I, that sounds like an interesting one. Yeah, it was really great. And so, but I read every morning, I read some spiritual text and um, I'm reading a book called Awakenings right now. The author's name, I can't remember, but it's like one of those daily meditation books. And that's the first thing I pick up in the morning. I love it. So can can you tell us more about how people can find out more about you online or find out more about your work? Yeah, um, I'm a, you can be followed on Instagram and TikTok at by Jenny Dalton. And um, the website for of butterflies and bullies is butterfliesbullies.com. And on there, you know, there's there's free resources. And um, you can download the, the confidence hacks uh, from the link tree in my bio on both Instagram and uh, TikTok. And uh, that's the best way to reach me. So just to remind everyone that there's a contest. So if you haven't gone and put your hat in the ring, so to speak, then definitely go to either my Instagram or so that's at Weave Your Bliss or at by Jenny Dalton and make sure you um, are both following both of us and that you like and share that post. And you could tag as many people as you want. You'll get an entry to get a copy of, of Butterflies and Bullies, which is Jen's book. Um, so if you tag 10 friends, you get 10 extra entries putting you in a very good position to get a free book. And if you don't win, you can get a free first chapter from my website. And then you can see if you're just falling in love with Molly, like everyone else does. And then you could buy a cup. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Jen, for your time. Thanks, Paula. I hope this was inspiring and informative for your listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. 
Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode. Mm-hmm.